Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 215. Today, we're going to start through the Passover Seder. And on the way to that, I want to help you to understand why we have gotten so far away from the observance of these great appointed times that God said to his people, I want to meet with you. I want you to put it on your calendar. I've already put it on mine, God says. These are the moed, the special days, the appointed days when God said, I want to meet with you. I want to remind you of who I am, of what I have done, of what I am going to do, of my faithfulness my love, my justice, my redemption, so many things God uses these appointed days for in our lives. These really are the days of our lives. And so as in ancient times, so it is today. These are teaching times. These are discipleship times. These are learning times. Some would say those things are just for the Jews. Well, of course, they were given to the Jewish people, just like the scriptures, and primarily it is for them. But that doesn't mean that we cannot learn from them. The apostle Paul, who was a Jew, said to a Gentile church in Rome, the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning and our admonition. That's Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. And throughout the scriptures, many times God says, I am speaking to you as my bride, the church, made up of Jew and Gentile, and I'm going to do that through my relationship with the Jewish people. Remember, God was using the Jewish people before the Gentile church ever came along. And it's not just a Gentile church. It is made up of Jew and Gentile. For there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond or free. There is neither male nor female in the sense of not that everything is wiped out. No, we're not talking about no identity here. What we are talking about is the ground being level at the cross. And so God gave Passover as a night to remember. It's a memorial time, a night to remember and to meet God in the Passover. Over the last 2,000 years, we have drifted from these great memorial days, these great appointed times, and much to our hurt and harm as the church of Jesus. Because in doing so, we've tried to devise our own programs of discipleship, and some have worked and some have not, but God already has his program of discipleship, and it is in these appointed days, and everything built around those appointed days. And every week, God said, here is a time I want you to meet and set aside to worship me. You need to work six days at whatever it is that you're doing to make a living. But remember, making a living is not why you're on the earth, but it is to make a life, a life built around the person of God himself. And we know him as Yeshua, as Jesus. And so our lives are to be built around him. And what we do six days a week to earn a living or to provide for our families, that's not our life. 
life. If your identity is wrapped up in your job, you are hurting, sir. You are hurting, ma'am, because that job can be pulled out from under you immediately. You can become disabled. You can lose your job. You can lose your health. You can lose your family. Whatever it is other than God that you're building your life around, it's really idolatry. And we need to stop it and repent of it and turn from it. And so God has given us these discipleship object lessons, if you will, to help us to remember the great nature of who he is and what he's done for us. And so he has this appointed time every week called Shabbat. And then he has the Passover, which is the beginning of all. And on the 10th day of the month of Nisan, the first day, God said, what I want you to do, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt, but it's going to be through the death of the firstborn. And I'm going to send the death angel throughout the land, both of the Egyptians and of the Israelites. And unless there is blood of a spotless lamb, a lamb without blemish, the best of the flock, one that's pure and innocent, then I will not pass over you, but the death angel will visit. There will be no distinction whatsoever between the Jew or the Egyptian and the Hebrew and the heathen. And so indeed, this is exactly what God did. And on the 10th day of the month, the people brought in the best of the lambs into their home and uh, they cared for it, uh, became loving with it and uh, fond of it. And then on the 14th day of the month, they killed the lamb, they slaughtered the lamb, put its blood on the doorpost and the lintel, that means on the two sides, and then on the top of the outside of the door so that the angel could see that, and indeed that's exactly what happened. And God passed over the Hebrews that night, over the Israelites, over the Jewish people. God said, I want you to remember this on this night that I pass over. And so it's called Passover. And that is what the Jews commemorated. And they did that through a series of rituals that they followed and routines that they followed every year so they would continue to have the same message. Now, after the church became predominantly Gentile around the time of the destruction of the temple, the great separation began to take place between the believing Jew and the Jew that was not a follower of Jesus and certainly of the Gentiles because during the days of the Roman uh, destruction of the temple, Jesus had predicted this on the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, 25. You can read that and other places where it's discussed in the Gospels. And he said, when you see these things happening, flee from Jerusalem. And that's what they did. And so the people thought, well, for sure, they're traitors. But Jesus had told them that the destruction of the temple was coming, that it was judgment. And indeed, it happened, just as Jesus said. And so the church at the close of the first century was predominantly Gentile, even though Jews were still leading it. John, for instance, pastored the greatest church of the Greco-Roman world at the close of the first century in Ephesus, and he was exiled to Patmos, as you'll remember. Obviously, he is a Jew, the last of the apostles. But in uh, the 130s, about 132 to 135 A.D., uh, there was a false messiah by the name of Bar Kokhba that uh, arose and drew many, many Jews, including one of the leading rabbis, Akiva, and the followers of Jesus who were Jews. Of course, they did not follow that because they knew the messiah had already come and Bar Kokhba was not the messiah. And so they did not follow him and they did not support that 
revolt from the standpoint of uh, they knew that this was not the Messiah. And so that brought a traitorous attitude to those who were not followers of Jesus toward those who were. And so the divide between those who were followers of Jesus, who was a Jew and, and Gentiles, and those who were not became greater and greater. By 325 AD and the Council of Nicaea, which is in modern-day Turkey, there was a great separation, a great stroke that took place there that separated any kind of Christian affinity for Passover away from the Jew and set it deliberately apart in arrogance or ignorance, whatever the case may be, both. They did this. And we have suffered ever since for it. The reformers uh, only went back to that council. And then uh, Augustine of Hippo in North Africa, a pastor, a bishop, an overseer, that further drove a wedge between the Jew and the Gentile church now that was predominantly Gentile. And, of course, the reformers picked up. And uh, St. Augustine is somewhat of a, a patriarch of even the Reformation a thousand years later. This is what we're faced with, and so what we're trying to do with the Passover and other, like other events that we're doing on April the 2nd in the churches across America and the evangelical churches is trying to get us back to the Jewish roots, not back five or 600 years to the Reformation, not back 1,500 years and 1,600 years to Augustine, not to the Council of Nicaea, not to the 70 AD period, but we're trying to get back to when the church in its primitive years was turning the world upside down, and it was uh, fully embracing its Jewish roots. That's why we do Passover. And of course, the Passover has a Seder, an order that it follows. Many of you who have been in Israel have heard the phrase, what's happening, manishma. Many times you will hear people say, hakol beseder. That means all is in order. That word Seder, beseder, all is in order, Hakol Beseder, that end part of it is the word for order. And so when we do the order, the Seder, we are following a Passover order that has been handed down from generation to generation. And it is an order that Jesus would have followed in the same fashion as the Jews are still doing it today. And it is built around four cups. And those four cups have names, the cup of sanctification. That is, God said, I will, in Exodus 6 and 7. I will four times, and he said, I will bring my people out from the Egyptians. So he set them apart. That's the cup of sanctification. Then you have the cup of judgment. God did that with a strong arm. He said, I will rescue you. I will redeem you. I will bring you into the land. And so he rescued them with a strong and mighty arm with ten plagues. And so that is the second cup. And then the third cup is the cup of redemption, where you talk about the lamb and of sacrifice, and you talk about the blood. And then the Hallel cup, the cup of praise, is when they would celebrate the time when they were free men in a free nation that God had established. And so these four cups are what the entire ceremony is built around. So the order of service opens like Shabbat does every Friday evening. 
the sixth day, the evening before the seventh day, it starts with the lighting of the candles when a woman brings light into the household. And isn't that true? And just like Mary brought in to the world, the light of the world, Jesus chose a virgin that he predicted in Isaiah seven fourteen, and prophesied a virgin would conceive and bear a son, and his name would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so the woman of the home lights the candles. They remember that this is the festival that brings light and the light of God, the light of knowledge into the ceremony. There is the sanctifying of the day, and that's done every week, but especially during this time. There is the great telling of the Passover story during that first encounter, and then the first cup is taken by everyone at the table, young and old, because it is the cup that begins the ritual and the Seder of telling the story of Passover and every aspect of what God did for the children of Israel is brought out in this night called the night to remember, the memorial night, the Passover night, when the children of Israel remembered that on that night, they met God in a new and a different way. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.